message today is entitled Tomorrow, about this time. It's found in the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. Actually, it, you have to go back to chapter 6 and read also. And for time's sake, I'm not going to read a whole lot today. I'm going to tell a little bit about the background as we get into it. But think about what time it is right now. Sunday morning, we're sitting in the presence of God, just been ushered in by the worship team. The Holy Spirit is active. He's moving. He's speaking to hearts, no doubt. No doubt he's touching lives right now. But you're sitting here in church just like you do Sunday after Sunday. But have you ever gave it a thought? about what you are doing right now, at this moment, what you are doing right now at this moment could directly impact what happens in your life tomorrow. Do you ever think about that? That what you do right now could directly impact your tomorrow. Most of us probably don't think about that, especially when we come to church. We're thinking about a lot of different things. We're in a holiday season still. School's still out. People out of town, people on vacation. Thank you for coming today. Some may have just returned from a short trip. Some may be like pastors on a trip. Been with family and friends. You're waiting for the new year to be ushered in. But whatever you will be doing tomorrow, you probably haven't thought that what you are doing right now is affecting that. If not tomorrow, let me put it to you this way, some tomorrow. So I'm going to ask you to, play, to pay close attention as you can today. The story, like I said, I'm going to tell you, is going to come out of 2 Kings chapter 6. We'll read a verse in just a minute in chapter 7. And this is where I got the title of this message. Let's go ahead and read chapter 7, verse 1 of 2 Kings. says, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time, a measure of fine flour shall be, shall be sold for a shekel. Two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. To give you a little background, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24 through 30, we're not going to read it all, but I challenge you to go home and read that. Read all of Second Kings chapter 6 and 7. You'll see what was going on in the life of Elisha right before all of this. You'll see what uh, relationship he had with the king of Samaria. You'll see how the king of Syria had been against Israel for many, many years. Elisha had played a big part, a big role in helping them, keeping them from the enemy, giving them warnings. 
taking care of the people of God as best he could through the being the prophet of the Lord. In this story, you'll see the king of Syria named Benadad, that he has gathered his entire, entire army. And they, this had been done before, but every other time before, God had intervened by giving Elisha the word. He would take it to the king and tell the king, here's what's about to happen, be ready for it. And that's what was going on. Well, this time we see some things going on here. As the king of Syria is gathering his entire army together, they have totally surrounded the city of Samaria. They have kept them hostage in their own city, wouldn't let, them, wouldn't let anybody in, wouldn't let anybody out. They kept everything bottled up. There was nothing they could do about it. And at this point in the story, they had been doing this long enough that famine has now set in in the, in the city of Syria, uh, Samaria because they couldn't get food in, couldn't get food out. Nobody could go. Nobody could do anything. And they are, lit they are literally starving them out, weakening the Samaritans. I'm sure many of us at time have felt like we have been starving being starved out by the enemy. That many times we have felt like the enemy has hemmed us in. You ever felt like that? Boxed you in into a certain situation in your life and all you can look around and see the walls and they're not moving. The point is that sometimes we find ourselves going through a dry place in our life. All of us do. A difficult time where it seems like you have more opposition than opportunity. Maybe it seems like your financial needs are just not being met. Especially this time of year, a lot of people find themselves getting further in debt and finances because of Christmas. And let me tell you, my friend, that's not the way to do it. There's a better way. But many times we do that and we'll find ourselves just being hemmed in, boxed up, like there's a solid barrier almost between us and God. You ever felt like your prayers just aren't even getting to the ceiling, much less getting to God? Well, see, that's how king, the king of Samaria was feeling. They had been boxed in. He couldn't do anything. His people were starving. He was really at his breaking point, couldn't get anywhere else, and he decided just to take a walk one day, and he took a walk. And as he was taking a walk around on the city, through the city, he was confronted by some people. I'm not going to go into the story. You read it. It's really grotesque what they were doing, really evil, really wrong. But instead of the king of Samaria turning to the man of God, Elisha, that had been helping him, he decides that, He's the problem. And he's really going through this. Let me tell you how low it got in this city that they were literally had turned to cannibalism to try to survive. I don't know about you, I've never been that low. So this king of Samaria, uh, uh, Samaria he decides 
Elisha's the problem, and he sets a plan to kill him. When Elisha, for years, have been helping them. But all of a sudden, he's now the enemy. But Elisha, instead of running for his life, what is he doing? You look in the story, you'll find out. He's actually sitting in his house, not fretting about anything. He's actually got the leaders of the city, the elders of the city around him, and they're sitting around talking. He even has knowledge, which I think he got this from the Lord, that he was about his life is being threatened by the king and by the king's people. And so he's sitting where he actually turns to these people, uh, the leaders of the city, and tells them, uh, there's some guys coming there, coming after my life. He said, uh, basically, when they get here, block the door why, and don't let them in. He's not doing it because he's afraid. He's doing that because he wants the king to get there, and the king is following them. And so he tells him, don't let them in, but there's a, one coming right after him, and, and, of course, they can't stop the king. And so when the king gets there, king just walks right in, and he comes right out. And says to Elisha these words, along these words, he says, the trouble is directly from God. In other words, this problem, God brought it upon us. And he says, so what's next? What's left? And then he said to Elisha, why should I wait on the Lord any longer? How many ever felt like that? You're going through something, going through something, going through something. Been praying, been trying to trust God, been believing for God, and all of a sudden it's like, why should I wait any longer? It's been long enough. Elijah, you've had your chance. Why should we wait any longer? It's like with all this stuff going on in our lives, God's ignoring us. And you might even be like the king, even blaming God or blaming the man of God. Well, let me tell you the reason why you need to wait. Because, see, you still have God's tomorrow. Elisha knew what was going on. Elisha wasn't taken by surprise, and he knew what God had in store, and he was not at all worried about this king. And the king says, you're the problem, and you say it should get better. I say it's been long enough. Why should we wait any longer? And Elijah's thinking, because you still have tomorrow. <laughs> See, every, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Well, in some tomorrow of your life, God has got something great in store for you. Stop and think the last time God blessed you. Stop and think the last time God did something great for you. Right now, for just a moment, stop and think. Name it in your heart and mind that you can say, God did this. He, he healed me of this. He, he, he opened this door that I just I thought never could open her. He closed the door that I just thought was just going to take me down, and, and God closed the door and worked things out. Think about the last time God did something great for you. It might have been yesterday. might have been last week. Maybe it was a month ago. Maybe it was four or five years ago, but you've got something in your mind, and you can remember God did this awesome thing in my life. 
Somebody may be sitting here saying, well, yesterday I woke up feeling terrible. And I prayed, and God touched me instantly. How many's ever had that happen? Anybody? I mean, instantly. But here's what we don't realize. God knew the day before that you were going to wake up not feeling well that next day. God knew about all of that. We sometimes think God doesn't know what's going on. We sometimes live our life as if God is surprised about the surroundings of our life or about the instances that's going on or the problems that we have. We think, God, where, didn't you see this? Let me know God knows things before they happen. God knows what's going on right now and the next five minutes and the next ten minutes and the next ten years. He knows what's going on. He is not blindsided. He has never been caught off guard in his life. God knew the, enemy, knew the moment the enemy was going to attack you. And listen to this. And he had a plan to take care of, care of it. And I believe the moment you ask him to, he had a plan. You remember the story in the Bible where the guy prayed and, and, and God dispatched the angels, but it took them how many years? I don't remember how, how long it took for them to get the answer to him because the enemy was so much fighting against them. But God heard the prayer the first day. And if that person had given up before the answer got, they could have said, God has been long enough. And you know what God is saying? Come on, give me one more day because you still got tomorrow. And something great can happen tomorrow. Just don't quit today. You say, well, sometimes I get so frustrated, I didn't ask. Or I've been sick for three days now. I asked the first day, but you didn't get well till the third day. Well, is that God's fault? No. Is it your fault? No, not necessarily. Because we've got to remember, there's a real enemy that wants to keep you beat down. He wants to keep you in the discouragement you're in. He wants to stop you in your tracks and make you give up and not trust God for tomorrow. And if he can do that, then he's got you whipped. But you know what? If you can say, hey, I prayed and I believe God and I'm trusting God, I'm going to give him one more day. You say, well, if it doesn't happen tomorrow, what are you going to do? You know what? I'm going to give him one more day. Well, what if it don't happen again? You know what? I'm going to give him one more day. Because on some tomorrow, he's got the answer and he's going to pour it into my situation and change everything drastically. But I just can't give up. So what do you do when you find yourself in a bad situation that doesn't seem to be getting any better? Sometimes it seems like it's getting worse. What do you do? Well, I'm going to ask, I'm going to give you three things, and this is something you can do all the time. It's not just for this message. This is three things. These are basic things. There's nothing surprising about these things, but I'm telling you that they are powerful, and I'm challenging you to write these three things down for 2020. I'm believing God for greater things than these in 2020. Amen? What about you? You just, I have to always remember, never forget, as a child of God, we always have his tomorrow, okay? Hang on to that. The first thing you must do, the first thing you must get a hold of is this. Number one, you must hear the word of the Lord. Elisha said this to the king, he's, to the people. He said, hear 
the word of the Lord. And then he began to tell them the word of the Lord. Did you notice that in the scripture? He said, hear the word of the Lord, and then he began to tell them the word of the Lord. There, there's something to that that's important. Listen, today, I thank God we don't have to go to prophets today. I thank God that we don't have to turn to a man somewhere, a woman somewhere, to people somewhere to get a word from God. I'm so thankful that God has torn the curtain from top to bottom and give us access into the very throne of God that we can go directly to God face to face in our prayers, in our situation, in our spirit, and we can ask God directly. We can talk to him face to face, spiritually speaking. I don't have to wait for you to bring me the word of the Lord. I don't have to wait to get to Sunday for pastor to preach a message that he studied all week long, and I promise you he hears from the Lord, and he, he, he wants to speak the word of the Lord. But you know what? I do not believe he or me or any pastor, if they're worth their salt, wants to give you the word of the Lord for the first time. There's something about that we need to learn about this today. We don't have to go to a prophet to hear from the word of the Lord we have access to the throne directly, and every one of us in here has more access to the word of the Lord than we ever dreamed in our life. We've got it that way. I left my phone over there. There is so much that you can turn to. There's so many things you can look at. There's so many ways that you can hear the word of the Lord, and, and the most important way is in my heart, in my spirit, because the Holy Spirit says he will teach you all things. Yes, we have pastors that feed us, teachers, workers that feed us. And we need those. I thank God for a pastor that loves us enough that he spends time to get a word from God to feed us that word. To help us to discover truths that's found in the word. But none of that will do us any good if we neglect the Word of God in our personal life. If we neglect it. See, today we don't go. I've never been, if I have, it was so many years ago, I don't remember. I've never been to a pastor, to a friend, and said, I need a word from God. Would you just give me a word from God? And I've had people come to me for that before. Pastor, I just got to have a word from God. Can you give me a word of God? And I said, sure. I got a Bible right here. You can have all the word of God you need here. Take it and read it. That's the best word of God I could give them. See, we don't have to have a pastor. We don't have to have a small group leader to hear the word of God. But we do get to go to them and let them tell us what God is speaking to them. And I've had this happen more times than I can imagine that what the pastor or the evangelist or the missionary or somebody else is sharing with me or even in discussing with one another, just standing around talking, I have had the word of God that has already come to me in my spirit from God himself. And then somebody like, you know, any of you that we stand around, we do it all the time. And you may not ever know this, but somebody would say something to me. And a, a little light would come on. 
And I would remember what God had already told me yesterday or the day before or the last week. You know what? I was just confirmed the word. That's what the pastor does more than anything else. He gets to preach and confirm what you should be hearing from God all week long in your own spirit, in your own time of getting into the word of God, not neglecting the word. The Bible says study yourself. Study and show yourself approved of God. Study. In other words, things we got to do. Why? Because God's got a message that he wants to preach through a pastor, but he will do it to confirm what he's already talked to you. And you know what? That makes it more powerful. The Bible says, out of the mouth of witnesses, let every word be established. When God speaks my heart, and then you, you, you don't have a clue what God spoke to my heart, and we're just standing around talking, and all of a sudden, you say something, and you don't know what you're saying. You have no clue, and all of a sudden, it, it pricks my heart, and, and then I'm standing in, in, in a service, and I'm hearing pastor, or I'm hearing Drew lead a song, or someone singing a solo, and, and, and they don't know what I'm going through, but all of a sudden, they say a word in that song, and it pricks my heart again. You know what happened? Every word is being established in my heart that God has already spoken to me, and he is confirming it and saying, you know what? Do something with it. Well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself now, and we'll go there. But I'm telling you, we've got to hear the word of God for ourselves. And God knows how to confirm it in your life and in my life. So today, if I give you a word from God, it will either confirm what you have already heard or you will hear from God. God will do that now. And I've had that happen, pastor preach something, and something would just speak to my heart so, so dear, and it's just like, man, that's, that's good. And then a couple of days later, I forget about it, you know, just like all of us do, you know, preach 10 minutes later, forgot what he preached. Right? But what I don't forget is what was quickened in my heart that moment during the message I might not be able to tell you, but I know what God spoke to me. And then all of a sudden through the message, all of a sudden God begins to speak directly to me through the word I'm reading it. And I'm being brought back then to what he confirmed. God confirms it both ways. Amen. So once you have the word from the Lord, here's the next thing you got to do. And I got to hurry. Clock's are ticking. When you have the word of the Lord and it's been confirmed in you, the second is you must believe that that word is now from the Lord. This king had heard Elisha give him warnings before. Other kings before him, probably when they came in office, they said, you need to listen to the man Elisha. He knows what he's doing. He's helped... Sumerians, more than you can imagine, he's kept us out of trouble. But sometimes we have a hard time believing the word. We've heard the word. It's been confirmed two or three times a life, but it's like we have a hard time believing that it's really from God or that it's really for me or that he really wants to do that. Because I've been going through this for a long time. It's just hard to believe. And we must believe the word of the Lord. It's time. It's time to remove all doubt. All doubt. The Bible says, he that doubteth, let him believe he received nothing. Nothing from God. We can't doubt. We've got to remove all doubt. When we know it's God's word, we've read, we've studied, we've heard the word. It's been confirmed by the pastor or a friend or a song. It's been confirmed two or three times. We know it's from God. we just got to believe now God wants to do something with what we've heard. 
He wants to bring it to to fruition in our life. He wants to bring something in us that we can't even imagine it happening. I love, I know I've said it more than you don't hear as much as the church. I use Pastor Cabral to say it all the time. But I love Ephesians 3.20. Unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's able to do bigger things than I can imagine. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes I've heard the word and it's like, wow. And it's been confirmed and I say, wow, but not for me. God can't do that for me. That's pastor. That's, that's somebody else. That's not for me. And God's saying, hey, don't you have some dreams? Don't you have some ideas? Don't you have some thoughts? I want to do something bigger. He can do something bigger and better than we can imagine or think, and he does it according to the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us. Wow, I love that. I could preach on that and not, not get a blink an eye. <coughs> Listen to this verse, chapter, uh, 2 Kings. This is just the first part of it, verse 2a. It says, Then a Lord, this is not the Lord, this is a Lord, a, just a person, on whose the hand the king leaned. In other words, the king depended upon this guy for a lot, okay? So then a Lord on whose the hand the king leaned answered Elisha, the man of God, and he said, so in other words, he's answering for the king. It's as if the king is saying this, okay? And he said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven. How many know windows? Heaven has some kind of windows. The Bible talks about them, okay? He said, If the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? What thing? The thing that we talked about. The thing that's going to happen tomorrow. (coughs) Elisha prophesied. So in other words, this is saying, the king is saying to Elisha through this man, this can't happen in just one day, Elisha. You said tomorrow about this time. Elisha, we've been in this thing for a long time. I mean, we're we're in famine now. We're starving. People are turning to bad stuff. This can't be fixed in one day, Elisha. You've got to be out of your mind. <clears throat> Even if God would open windows of heaven, it's so bad, it couldn't be fixed in one day. It's not going to change that much by tomorrow, Elisha. And you know what? Many of us have heard the Lord that many times would say, you've heard it confirmed. You've had God come to say, all right, just don't worry. I've got it under control. And you thought, it ain't possible. I'm too deep. I'm too far gone. This thing is just too big. I've been struggling for too long. I've been facing this sickness for, for years. It's just too big. There's no way tomorrow is going to be any different. And that's what the devil's trying to, that's the lie he wants you to believe. Why? Because he wants you to give up. He wants you to think to yourself, you've been waiting now for three days, three weeks, three months, 12 months, three years. And he wants you to think And question, what difference is one day going to matter? 
wants you to doubt God. What difference is one day going to matter? Ask Abraham and Sarah what difference one day matters. God told them, you're going to have a child, right? How long was it before they had that child? Twelve months. I mean, nine months, sorry. That would be a long time. But eight months, we're just going to say, I know it's not exactly nine months, but just for the story's sake, eight months, 29 days later, there's 30 days in this month. 29 days later, how many of you mothers have been pregnant for eight months and 29 days saying, this child ain't never coming? <laughs> ain't no way. And you looked at your husband and said, I'm going to kill you. Don't you ever touch me again. And sometimes we go through things for 12 months and it's like, this ain't never going to be any different. We'll go through things for five years and it ain't never going to do any different. How long did Abraham then wait? They didn't have to just wait nine months. They had to wait years, if you remember, from when the promise first came. There's another one. But in that same prophet in Elisha's life, there was a Shunanite, I can't even say. This woman came to her, and she wanted to be pregnant. She wanted to have a child. She couldn't. She was barren. Came to the prophet, came to Elisha, and Elisha said in 2 Kings 4, 17, but the woman became pregnant. The next year, look at this, about the same time she gave birth to a son. Because what? The prophet Elisha had said to her, this time next year, in that case it was a year, but that year became a tomorrow. Remember? And she had that child just like he promised Almost to the day, if you understand, from when he said. This same season next year, she got into her final tomorrow and she had a child. How many times did the devil try to get her to doubt? How many times did the devil try to say, this child's going to be deformed? You're too old to have children. This child's not going to be right. I know the devil's fighting her because if you go and look at the story, something happened to that child. After it was born, after it was raised, it was out in the field, it died. She was distraught. Anybody would be distraught. She had the child for a little while. What she do? What did she do? She did what? She did what she went what she did the first time. She went back to the prophet. Now in those days that's all they had. They didn't have Bible, they didn't have cell phones. All they had was the prophet to get that word. She went back to the prophet and she said, Didn't I tell you, don't get my hopes up? And he said, What's wrong? How's your husband how's the child what's wrong and she basically said he's dead and, you know not that way you got to read the whole story but he figures it out he goes he raises the child up gives it back to her and he's fine she had another tomorrow i'm telling you god knows what he's doing he knows what's happening in your life but it tells me that she was struggling with wanting 
uh, struggling with doubting. She didn't want to doubt. She wanted to trust the prophet. The devil had been on her case, and, and her husband just falling apart. Everybody else falling apart, and she wanted to fall apart, but she went back to the Lord, back to the prophet, and said, didn't you, didn't I say, don't bring my hopes up? You got my hopes up, and now they're dashed. He says, I don't know, and God had blinded him. He didn't know what was going on. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. And so the story came. He said, hey, <laughs> Come on, we're going to have another tomorrow. It was started yesterday. You'll get it right now. And he raised the child just like that. Gave him back to her, and she was fine. And as far as I know, lived the rest of her days out. We never know anything else. So even though the devil was after her faith, she stayed true to the word. She still trusted God's word. God's got a tomorrow about this time for you, but even if it seems impossible God's got his ways of doing things. Number one, you've got to hear the word of the Lord. Number two, you've got to believe the word of the Lord. What you hear and it's confirmed, you've got to believe it. You can't let anything distract you, turn you away from the word that you heard God speak to your heart and confirm. You can't allow the enemy to steal that from you. No matter how long it takes, your tomorrow is coming. If God promised you, he doesn't go back on his promises. Amen? So what's the third thing? Well, sometimes this is where we fail. And the third thing, the third thing is get up and move in the direction of the word from the Lord. You've heard the word. You've been confirmed the word. You believe the word. Now get up and move in the direction of that word. There's a story in here that's part of this same story I started out with. It says, and there were four lepers. This is 2 Kings chapter 3. Uh, chapter 7, verse 3 says, There were four leprous men at the entering of the end of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here till we die? So in other words, they were sitting out the side of the gate, which lepers always had to be outside the city anyway. They couldn't be in the city. They weren't allowed. And so they had to sit outside. But they knew the famine that was going on inside the gate, and they were sitting outside the gate, and they didn't have any food either because they could see the enemy that had been surrounding them all this time. And, of course, the enemy didn't want to mess with them because they were lepers. You know, you don't mess with lepers. And so they were safe as far as from the enemy, but they weren't getting food either. They were starving too. They were dying because of the leprosy. Their life was in shambles. They'd been sitting there, and they said, why are we sitting here waiting to die? Why don't we do something about our situation? And let me know God will hear lepers. Remember the lepers that came to Jesus? He healed them. How I many know God loves people that are in sin? That doesn't mean their sin is any less than what it is. It means he loves them in their sin and wants to get them out of it. And so they sit there saying, why are we just sitting here doing nothing, waiting to die? Why don't we do something about it? You know, faith, believing, we just talked about believing. Faith, they're basically the same thing. They're an action word. They're an active word. So here's the truth. You can hear the word of God. If you say, I believe the word of God, then you've got to do something with that to make sure it's not just something that the devil's going to easily steal from you. But if you really believe it, you've got to do something with it. That's basically what these guys are saying. It, re it requires some sort of action. Well, it is funny how God delivered this city. These four lepers sitting outside, Woke up one day and said, what are we doing? Why are we just sitting here waiting to do nothing? 
why don't we do something about it? Here's what they said to each other. They said, you know, if we stay here, we're going to die. Right? We're, we're, we're dying. We're going to die. We just said you're doing that. We're going to die. If we go inside the gate, they're dying. We're not supposed to be in there, but they won't care if we're in there. They're dying anyway. So we go in there, we're no better off because we're dying. But if we go that way into the camp of the Syrians, they got food. Now, if we stay here, we die. If we go in there, we're going to die. If we go there, we might die. But we're going to die anyway, so what do we got to lose? At least they got food. Maybe we'll get one last meal before we die. So they decided staying here is no good, and there is no good. The only chance we got is going into the camp of the Syrians. Apparently they were sleeping at this time. They weren't worried about anything. They had the guards out. And so these four guys, four guys, decided let's go to Syria, camp Syria. And they start walking. I don't think they were running. I think they were probably looking around, making sure they could get there. I think they were just walking. But God was doing something while they were walking. The Syrians all of a sudden were waking out of their sleep, and they heard a rumbling coming towards them that sounded like an army bigger than what they had, and it was coming their direction, and it said they literally jumped up and began to run for their life because they said there's a huge, massive army that we can't control, and they're going to kill us, and we got to get out of here, and we got to get out of here now. And they fled the city and left everything behind, and these four lepers come walking in and thought, where is everybody? I don't know. And I can see he's put the head in the tent. Ain't nobody in this one. Ain't nobody in here. You think what I'm thinking? Yeah, let's eat. <laughs> and they went and they started eating, and one of them at least felt a little guilty. I mean, no repentance will change your heart. And begin to say, you know, this ain't right, guys. We've got a whole families probably and friends, and people we love back there starving to death, they don't have a clue what we got. We need to let them know. And they go back and they tell the king. How they got to him, I don't know, but they either sent word or something and said, hey, king, uh, your answer has happened just like you said. We got food that you can't imagine. The king said, yeah, right. And he didn't believe them, but he heard their story. He didn't really believe them, but he heard their story. But he thought to himself, kind of what they thought, what have I got to lose? We're dying anyway. So he picked out some people that could be dispendable. If they get killed, they get killed, okay? And he said, go with these guys and see if what they say is true. And sure enough, they go say true. And they, like the, the, they come back and say, it's exactly like they said. There was so much food. It's like, that's what Elisha said. You're going to have so much tomorrow, this time tomorrow, that what you've been paying is outrageous amount for a for for they, it even goes in there and says they paid so much for dove dung. I don't know what that's about, but it's like tons of of silver for Doug's dove's dung. It said now you can buy anything you want for a little or nothing. It's free. It's like, and that. That's what Elijah said. This time tomorrow, King, 
All your problems be solved. Everything be done. And it be over. You'll have more food than you don't know what to do with. They'd be like miracle. It was a miracle. So what do we do? Faith says, get up and move in the direction of your miracle. Faith says, get up and move in the direction of the promise that God has given to you. I've heard the word has been confirmed in my heart. I believe it is from God. Now get up and act like it's God. Now get up and act like the miracle is going to happen tomorrow. Get up and act like it's on the way. Get up and say, hey, talk about it. Believe it. Confirm it. Confess it. Get crazy with it. Because if you believe it's God, it's time to give God the glory. And you know what you can do? You can go without seeing the answer, and you can praise God for the answer before you see it. i, I got to give this to you real quickly. It won't take me long. But there's a man named Cho, pastors the greatest, uh, one of the biggest churches in Seoul, Korea, the largest church in the world. When he was a young pastor, he needed a bicycle. He needed a bicycle to be able to get from town to town. So he went and he asked God. He said, God, I need a bicycle. He heard God say to him, all right, what kind do you need? So he started labeling exactly what he needed to get from town to town to preach the gospel. So he spread the word. He began to say, I need this, I need this, it needs to be this, it needs to be this. I mean, he got down, he said, I want a certain color. And God told him, okay. And it was confirmed in it. He said, I knew I heard from God. I knew God was going to answer my need. I didn't know how, but he got up every day, and he started telling him, man, have you seen the bicycle I've got? You ain't got no bicycle. Oh, yeah, man. And he started describing it and started making people think he's either gone crazy or he's got one stashed back or something, but he can tell you the color of it. He can tell you everything. And he would just talk like he had it because he knew God had answered him said, it's yours, it's yours. I'll get it to you. And so he did. And lo and behold, the day his tomorrow came and he got the bicycle and it was exactly like he was describing and it cost him absolutely nothing. So that's what I'm saying. You don't have to go that extreme if you don't want to, but why not? If you think you've heard from God and you've heard from God and it's been confirmed, now get up and move in the direction of the miracle. The miracle wasn't behind the walls. They were dying as fast as they were. The miracle was ahead of them and they had only one chance. Let's go into the enemy's camp and take back what he stole. Or they where they got that song from. And it's time some of you, you've heard God, you believe God, but you haven't been acting like it. You're still complaining. You're still looking to other people for answers. God's already given the answer. Just believe it. And now thank him for the answer. Get up every day. Be like the prodigal son's father. What did he do every day? He's coming home. Not, not today. Tomorrow came. He's coming home. He's coming home. And one day the tomorrow happened. He looked up and thought, that's him. That's my boy. Get the fatted calf. He's here. My tomorrow just happened. But he did that every day because he knew his tomorrow was coming. Let's bow our heads. We're going to close a little different. We'll pray in a minute. I'm going to ask the prayer team that we have here. I know some of them gone, but I'm going to ask you to come on down to the front if you would and just can kind of stand right here in the front. Everybody else, just bow your heads for just a second, please. Let's believe God today that he's about to move in your life like never before.
Briar, would you do me a favor? Would you come up here and, and help me out, please, sir? I, I know you pray, and I believe you can pray for people. Would you just come and stand up here in case there might be some younger people or something might want to have someone pray with them? Or it don't matter. It can be any, any age, but I believe God can use you. Go ahead and look this way for just a second. How many in here? You're still waiting for your tomorrow to happen. For whatever it is, whether it's physical, spiritual, financial, family member to be changed, but you've been praying and you haven't seen your tomorrow yet. Hold your hand up if that's you. And hold it there for a second because I want you to look around. If you got your hand up, hold it up real high because everybody's sitting. I want everybody to get their hands up, look around. See, the devil's been lying to you and saying, this is only you. God don't care about you. He don't care about you. You're the only ones going through this. You're the only one, only one waiting. Everybody else getting their answer to motivate, pray. You're only one. Look around. All these people haven't got their tomorrow yet. I'm going to ask you to stand up if you've got your hands up. Please just stand up. I'm not going to tell you make you come down. That's totally up to you. But I want you to stand. I want other people to see. You're not going through things that's not easy or that's tough or that's bad or whatever you want to describe you're not the only one the devil would lie to you and say if God really loved you he wouldn't put this on you God didn't put anything on to you what he did he's given you a word or he wants to give you word or maybe you heard the word today and he's going to confirm it don't let this be the thing but I really believe he's just confirmed it in somebody I think you've already been hearing this from God you've already been wondering this about God you know I, I will say, you know, God will use other people to bring you a word, okay? I'm not saying they don't. I'm saying don't you go to them looking for it. God will use people. He's used pastors. He's used friends of mine that has given me the word, and I took it, and then he confirmed it in other ways. But I took it the first time. So I'm not saying you didn't get a word for the first time from what God is sharing today, but it really wasn't me. It's the Holy Spirit giving it to you anyway. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come down unless you want to. But if you really believe now, you're ready to say, I've heard a word from God. I believe that word. Now, I want to go in the direction of my miracle. But I'm going to ask you to step out real quickly and come and find somebody to stand in front of, and we're going to pray together as a group. You don't have to, but if you really want to believe, this is my tomorrow. It's, see, today could be your yesterday's tomorrow. Got that? So if you're standing here and what you're believing God for, you want to see God do this thing. You really want. And I'm going to ask you to step out, walk down here, and stand in front with me right now. And let's just say, God, this is my opportunity. I want this to be my opportunity. This is not, this is not by accident. This was all planned. God, you had this all planned out. And we're probably just going to pray as a group. We're not going to spend a lot of time. But this is God. And if you want to pray with somebody, you go ahead. I'll pray with some in a minute if they need to. And look this way. You're saying you heard from God. You're saying you believe it. You're stepping out by saying, I'm putting action to my word now, to the word that God's given to me. Don't let it stop here. Okay? Walk out of here. When we get through praying, walk out of here and start talking about your bicycle. You know what I'm saying, okay? Start, start saying, 
God's going to heal me. God's going to do this. God's going to open this door. God's going to change this thing. God's going to do it. Why do you know? Because he told me so, and I believe him, and I'm going, and I'm praising him every day until it happens. I'm just going to keep praising him every day. And people may hear me saying, thank God for the healing. Well, you look sick to me. Well, I may be sick on the outside, but I'm well on the inside. Thank God he's healing me. Oh, thank God for the miracle of finances. What? You got a new job? No, God just heard my prayer, and he's going to answer my need. I don't know how he's going to do it. He may give me a new job. He may drop the windows of heaven open and pour out a blessing. I can't do it. I don't care how he does it. I just know he's going to do it. And I'm going to thank him till I do it. That's where you're standing at right now. Don't make this the last thing you step out on or the last moment you do. You walk out of here thanking God, praising God, believing God, talking about what God's going to do. And I promise you, your tomorrow could be right now. It may be tomorrow. It still may be 10 days away because he may want to just test your faith. And see if you really mean business about believing him when he speaks your heart. Let me tell you, you can never go wrong with trusting God. Everybody in this place, stand if you would, please. We're going to pray the prayer that we always pray all together. And then we're going to pray with each other if you want us to pray with you. But we're going to pray the prayer of commitment. And we're going to pray a little bit different. Sure, we'll get the sin out. We'll get the, all that out. But we're going to pray a commitment to walk by faith to the word that is given to me. Amen? And that's what that's for us. And it's for you, even if you didn't step out. Say this. Say, Jesus. Come on, let's all say it together, congregation, everybody. Jesus, I believe you are the word that came from heaven and came into this place. And I believe that word was for me. I believe in my heart that you died for my sins. I confess with my mouth you, Jesus, as my Lord. And from this day on, I believe your word that you have spoke to me, and I will walk it out, talk it out, praise it out. I commit my life to the word of God that I've heard in this place, that I've heard in my heart. And in Jesus' name, my tomorrow is coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's thank the Lord. Let's thank the Lord. Let's just pray for him. Hallelujah. God, I believe in the name of Jesus that all things are possible, that absolutely all things are possible. For what these are believing God today, Lord, for the word they've heard today, God, I believe it is coming to pass. Lord, there is no more doubt. It is gone. They have stepped out. They are believing God for their miracle, for their answer. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen because they know in their heart of hearts, it's done. It's done. Absolutely done. Now, if you believe that, you start thinking, you start practicing what you said you're going to do, that I'm going to practice walking it out. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to praise him for thy answer. I'm going to praise him for the healing. I'm going to praise him for the deliverance. I'm going to praise him for the new job. I'm going to praise him for the answer. I'm going to praise him for the financial situation. I'm going to praise him because my life has changed drastically right now in Jesus' name. If not today, I'm not giving up because tomorrow it's going to happen. Some tomorrow it's going to happen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all just praise him all over this place right now. Come on, let's all just glorify the King of kings and the Lord. Let's give him the honor too. Hallelujah. Come on, he deserves better than that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Nothing is impossible 